I don't need help. I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is just how it is for us. It's a lie we tell ourselves, one that many in abusive relationships repeat until they believe it. But there's hope. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship, a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence. This show is about hope. You will hear from survivors of abuse, and their stories may sound familiar. They may even inspire hope. Our goal is to connect with others in these toxic relationships to offer that hope, and with supporters of our mission, anyone willing to help get rid of abuse in our culture. We also talk with the experts in the field, from the officers on the front lines of domestic abuse calls to the therapists and advocates helping survivors navigate this complicated road of recovery. If you're in need of help, please visit our website or call our 24-7 hotline, 800-828-2023. And if this is an emergency and you need help immediately, please call 911. Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship with your host, Claudia Pauls. And welcome to the show. I'm Dan, one of the producers and guest host occasionally. And today I get the, the privilege of being a guest host to interview our guest today, who was an author of a book that was absolutely incredible, um, was brought to us by, by the author. So thank you for that. So Dr. Sheena Howard, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It was wonderful to be here. So the book that you wrote that was pitched to us as an idea for I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship is Nina's Whisper. So let's, I'd like to hear from you about what it said, rather than me reading like a, a book, a dust jacket or whatever. I want to hear from you what this book is about and, and how it came about. So the book basically untangles the psychology of abuse from a victim's perspective. And it gets you into the head, the mind, thought, and feeling of the narrator who ends up being a victim of abuse. And one of the things that was really important for me in this book was to try to challenge all of the stereotypes that we have about abusive relationships. So the relationship is between two women and they are two very feminine women. So there's not this kind of um, stereotypical dichotomy of like a masculine woman and a more feminine woman. These are two very feminine women. Um, and so the idea for the book um, came from me as a survivor of domestic abuse. And then um, I wanted to create a fictional narrative uh, because I wanted to tell, um, again, I wanted to challenge those stereotypes that we have about abusers and victims of abuse. And and what a challenging, it wasn't a challenging read, but what a way to challenge it. I, I felt very <clears throat> brought into a different community, a different culture. You know, um, the, the other thing I found interesting about this was one woman is a person of color and, un, and, and I made an assumption until later in the book where it was revealed that the other one is a different ethnicity. And I was like, mind blown. So yeah, just an incredible, and, and I didn't mean to like spoil, spoiler alert, yeah. right? <laughs> that, is, that is definitely a spoiler, spoiler alert, but I'm glad that you said that um, because that's an important aspect of the story. The story I, I remember one reviewer of the book um, said that when he got to the end of the book and that was revealed, he was like, 
he had to rethink everything that just happened in the book because, um, you know, he does race relations and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So he was like, he had to rethink everything that happened in the book just because of that reveal. And so that, that's yeah. really what I was trying to do. Not, and not just for shock value, but again, to challenge, to make people a little bit uncomfortable and to challenge what they think about um, abusive relationships, what it looks like, how it happens, who does it, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we've covered in the show before, and I'm not in an abusive relationship, the idea that, you know, anyone can be a victim and hopefully a survivor, uh, same sex, uh, relationships, males can be victims. And so we've covered that a little bit, but this was one of those, again, that challenged kind of your normal thinking, your, I don't want to say normal cause it's not abnormal, but your average everyday thinking, right? Like that the LGBTQ community is underrepresented so often marginalized people of color marginalized like all these things came together in this oh and yet the main character is a pediatrician right you know a very put together woman you said you described her as feminine absolutely but also feminist in a way a very strong woman smart right Right. so like the challenges that you laid out are so good right and you see in the book we're introduced to this confident, super smart woman that has it all together, not financially dependent on anybody at any point in the book. But then we see that even someone like that, you know, falls victim to domestic abuse. And we see how all of even those positive characteristics that we just mentioned actually end up being things that kind of speak to why she stayed in the relationship a little bit right yeah um and so i i I really want the reader to kind of see those complex dynamics um that can take place in an abusive relationship how important was your experience in this you know in in the beginning of the book it says oh these these are all fictional characters fictitious Mm -hmm. characters these are not you know this is not real but it feels so real. Mm-hmm. So I have to make an assumption that your experience played a big part. How big of a part did it play? I think to be able to understand the emotion of the character was the biggest part because this is this book is an emotional roller coaster and to be able to really understand the emotion of the character um really makes or breaks the book, right? Um and if my goal was to get people to challenge their stereotypes, to understand how, how a person could fall victim to abuse, I had to be able to hit those emotional points for the reader. Um, and so in, in that way, sort of those emotions that I depicted are emotions that any victim of domestic abuse would be able to relate to and um, write down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's such an incredible journey to to see you know i picture myself in in nina's place as this strong person smart you fall in love with someone who is kind of the opposite of what you are mm-hmm. and yet those things come around you know when when someone find you know if, if you were able to take this book and give it to someone and say well here's also my advice what would the advice be to you if they begin to see themselves in that character yeah oh, that's a really good question i think it's really important for anybody who so so one of the things that I wanted to show in the book, because this is not like domestic abuse, um, the main character is being hit over the head constantly, you know, every scene. This is this is one of those things where it's like the main character is struggling to even see this relationship as abusive. You know, the, the name of mm-hmm. the podcast, I'm not in an abusive relationship. This is basically what Nina is telling herself. 
mm-hmm. like she's not even thinking that this is an abusive relationship and it ends up tearing down the foundation of who she is her her identity her sense of reality so my advice to especially people in the lgbtq community but but anybody that's in a relationship is that if people are not respecting your boundaries then that's a form of emotional abuse you know you have these you know somebody's opening your diary when that's a private that's your private thing somebody's going Mm -hmm. through your cell phone which is a private thing those are all forms of abuse and so I, I think the takeaway that I want people to get from the book is that abuse is not just somebody physically assaulting you and, and sending you to the hospital um, uh, emotional and verbal abuse is um, is, is, a, is a large part of abuse because before you even get to the to the person physically abusing you there's emotional and mental abuse that you you have already experienced and i really want people to recognize this you know don't stay in a relationship if somebody's going through your phone reading your diary um not letting you leave the house you know you know those those types of things because to me those are the early warning signs of abuse in which you might be headed down a road that leads to physical abuse that that a lot of us some of these things are things that we might be able to ignore and say oh you know he or she only kind of looked through my phone once you know oh he or she you know didn't want me to leave the house when we got an argument but that's okay that you know that that's okay they just really wanted me to stay in the house and and talk it out those kind of those kind of things they're 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 these um I heard somebody else refer to them as yellow flags, not red flags, but yellow flags. And the yellow flags are super important and we shouldn't ignore those. Well, and it feels like what you're like, I, what I hear you saying too, is there are times when in a relationship where maybe I didn't want you to leave the house because we're in an argument and I don't want you to truly just leave and never discuss it again. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we can have an open communication style where I have access to your phone, you have access to mine. If you're in a committed relationship and you don't want any secrets, that's one thing. But Mm -hmm. especially early on, Mm -hmm. if I'm being, you know, oh, she's just being a little jealous. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's just being a little overprotective. Like, no, that's, that's where you need to have that discussion. So that's a great way to, to bring it out. And that's where staying true to your boundaries are important because maybe you're okay with your significant other looking through your phone and that's not a boundary for you. But if that is a boundary for you and your significant other is looking through your phone, then they have no respect for your boundaries. That's part of, uh, that's part of emotional abuse, you know? Um, And sometimes, you know, when we really like someone and we're in love with someone, we kind of ignore those small little boundaries that are broken, especially, um, early on but but those shouldn't be ignored um so so my message to people would be just that um don't ignore the early warning signs of a, of a unhealthy relationship and also very important is to communicate with your family and friends about what's happening in your relationship mm-hmm. you know if you find yourself constantly embarrassed to tell your close family and friends things that are going on in your relationship you probably should pay really close attention to why you're embarrassed to tell your family and friends those things that are happening in a relationship because you don't want to get in a cycle where, you know, everything stays inside the house. You're not telling anybody about the abuse um, and you're, you're suffering in silence. And then when it is, then possibly when it does turn physical, everybody's like, huh, we thought you guys had a great relationship. No, there's no physical abuse happening here because for so long, 
you you suffered in silence behind closed doors now since your abuser has charmed everybody in your life and they think this is a great awesome person um now people people are not believing you and that's that's one real challenge of when you eventually do come out and say you know i'm in an abusive relationship um sometimes family and friends may not believe you because you haven't said anything for so long all of these years. So I think that would be one piece of advice too. Um, something doesn't feel right in your relationship, talk it out. Even if it, it's, it's at least with one person that will keep the conversation confidential because you need someone to validate your reality, right? An abuser mm. invalidates your reality. Oh, the gaslighting. Yeah. Yep. Oh, the, the gaslighting. And when you're in an abusive relationship, you need someone besides your significant other to validate your feelings mm-hmm. yeah the, the the work that Paige does on nina was just heartbreaking <laughs> like, my goodness <clears throat> but so realistic too you know i never i never felt like nina you idiot what are you doing it was like mm-hmm. oh yeah that does make sense you know when mm-hmm. when Paige's parents had been together for 50 years and even when nina was like but i don't like the way her dad treats her mom right. but it's just that must be how it is because i don't know because my parents divorced exactly like wow what a what a what a common way to look at it, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but then for Paige to use that against her so many, so many times and just right. begin to distort that reality. Right. Um, yeah. And then the gaslighting of having this huge fight. And then I didn't say that. Right. I didn't do that. <laughs> Why? You know, the, the one, the one that, that really got me was when Paige um, was so drunk that she passed out in the, in the bathtub and Nina took a photo, a couple photos just to show her, like, you vomited all over our bed. You did this. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why would you take pictures of me? That's so disrespectful. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. Wow. Right. Like, wow. You know, so, right. yeah, great scenes that you that you laid out there. Right. How, you. <clears throat> yeah, you're welcome. So how, um, how, how can we be better at bringing this conversation up when it comes to the, you know, air quotes, not normal, the Mm -hmm. LGBTQ, LGBTQ community, the, um, you know, biracial relationships, all these, these avenues that we'd seem to not talk about. Mm -hmm. How can we be better about bringing those to the forefront? I feel like for the LGBTQ community, there needs to be a targeted public health campaign that focuses on that specific group, because even though abuse across the board is the same. It's about power and control and the techniques that abuser use, abusers use are, are, are textbook. You know, it doesn't matter the, the race or the gender. Um, one, this has gone kind of invisible in the LGBTQ community. Nobody wants to talk about it. Not just heterosexuals, but LGBTQ people don't want to talk about abuse because, you know, I mean, they got there. There's gay marriage based off of the slogan "Love is love," so we don't want to talk about we don't want to talk about you know the dark side of LGBTQ relationships. But it's a public health crisis, and people are suffering, and um, people need help. And also, I, I, I personally, I think it's a little bit. It's tough for someone to recognize they're in a in an abusive relationship when it's at the hands of um, someone who's the same gender. Um, because that's not the script that we've been fed all of our lives. We've been we've been told that abuse is a man abuses a woman. You know that that's what we see most most of the time, um, and so it, it's it adds some complex layers um, to same sex domestic abuse, right? 
um, and, and this goes for the person in the abusive relationship. This goes for law enforcement, the court system. You know, we, we're all coming in with these preconceived notions that people in same-sex relationships don't abuse each other. Um, and so I, I even um, tried to do some special issues and journals on um, domestic abuse between lesbians and people in the LGBT community just didn't want to, they, they, they don't want to talk about it. Um, and it's a public health crisis. The, uh, the CDC has reports out showing that domestic abuse rates in um, lesbian and gay relationships are higher than that of heterosexual relationships. Um, and 44% of lesbians experience domestic abuse, according to the Human Rights Campaign. So, wow. so it's, yeah, and the, the numbers are mind-boggling, yet for me, as someone that's been in the LGBT community for a decade, I've never heard about anybody talking about being in a in an abusive relationship until I started talking about it, until I started writing this book and asking people to share their experiences with me. Then I started hearing from people, yeah, you know, I was in a relationship with this woman and she, you know, used to sleep with a gun by the bed when we got in arguments and that kind of thing. And, and these are like, people that I've known for years that never came up until I started talking about the conversation around domestic abuse. Um, so I think it needs to be a targeted public health campaign for the LGBTQ community. Um, and I think it's a little complex because we have, um, you know, marriage, I don't like to call it gay marriage because it's just marriage. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. ma marriage is legal for LGBTQ people. And when I was doing my research for the book, I found that, you know, there was some discrepancy in how the census was collecting information and data even about um, same-sex couples who live together, right? So we're not even characterized as people that live together who are in a relationship. And what does that do to the data about um, domestic abuse between, between these two people um, mm. and that kind of thing? Wow. So um, even just the collection of data is really far behind because there wasn't marriage for LGBTQ couples. And um, when, a, when a police officer responds to a, a domestic abuse call, you know, they're not car categorizing it as domestic abuse. These are just two women that live together. They're not in a relationship. You know, those kind of biases that um, have historically impacted the data. And even with marriage being legal, still um, impacts the data, right? Because that officer that's taking that report has to one respect the fact that two men or two women are in a relationship and, um, and this is a domestic abuse call instead of just two men fighting or two women fighting. Yeah. So, so it's a matter of, uh, I think I hear you saying it's a matter of, of shining the light of getting rid of the stigma of mm -hmm. helping to break down biases mm -hmm. um, and just having the discussion. I mean, it, mm -hmm. you know, we, we say it at, at domestic and sexual abuse services at, at DASIS, we often say, among ourselves, how hard it is to get the word out because people don't want to talk about it. But it sounds yeah. to me like it's even more private when it comes to same-sex couples, huh? Yeah, and that's really that's really an important point. Um, whether you're LGBTQ or heterosexual, getting people to talk about their experience is very difficult um, because one, your abuser still lurks. I mean, they're gonna you know they're gonna be there and around and trying to find ways to abuse you as long as they're on the planet. So, you know, it's hard for victims, you know, the, the people that you really want to hear from are the victims, right? But victims are often scared to talk. Um, and so same thing with the LGBTQ community. Um, you know, even for me, it's hard to talk about the abusive relationship that I was in. Um, but I found a way to at least talk about the topic through, through this book. Um, 
so so yeah yeah having i think starting the discussion on a public platform is really important that's why i'm trying to do this um this this podcast interview to to at least get the discussion started especially now during covid the 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 um covid night is covid 19 yeah covid 19 um where calls to domestic violence hotlines are skyrocketing you know people are basically stuck in their house with an abuser Mm -hmm. um and so even now it's super important to talk about it and tell people what they can do to help themselves yeah that's you know when this first started back in March, we did a, an episode just based on, based on that. And, and mm-hmm. It's such a scary thing to think that you're trapped with your abuser. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely, you know, reach out to DASIS, use the, the domestic abuse uh, national hotline, your local, wherever you're listening. If you need help, please, please reach out. There's, mm-hmm. there's no shame in it. Um, yeah. So, so your, your areas of expertise cover a lot of stuff. I love that we're talking about Nina's whisper, but man, my goodness, Sheena, you are so accomplished. Thank uh, you. And, and, you know, I, so I want to go off topic for just a second. Cause I want to hear your perspective. I listened to your breakfast club oh, nice. interview, um, this Eisner award in, in comics. Mm-hmm. Talk about that for just a minute, because what an incredible place to start back in your early yeah, that is publishing where I started. days. Yeah, go, that's, yeah, that's very true. That my my first book won an Eisner Award at uh, uh, San Diego Comic Con, and that was actually a book based off of my dissertation on um, representation of race and gender in Black comic strips, specifically the Boondocks. And since I, you know, I did my dissertation on African American communication dynamics in Black comic strips, and so when I when I put together the book Black Comics: Politics of Race and Representation, I got a lot of different contributors to write chapters in that book because I wasn't an expert on everything and um yeah it just so happens that with that book you know I went went to all the comic book conventions marketed it marketed you know talked about it did podcast interviews and it just so happened that that book was published at the right time with the right content and won um won an Eisner award um and and in that same vein this book Nina's Whisper will be um a graphic narrative published next year in 2021 so that not only um, will it be a fiction book but it will also be a um graphic narrative with illustrations as well oh wow so you're bringing there again you're bringing <clears throat> certain characters and certain looks to life so that people can see themselves in exactly. media Exactly. And, right. to, and like I said, I'm on this campaign to really bring to light um, LGBTQ domestic abuse. And one of the really important things in doing that is visuals. If I can see two women in a, in a relationship that is abusive, then now I'm able to understand that abuse is not just between a man and a woman. So bringing out this graphic narrative of Nina, Nina's Whisper is going to be really important. And, and since my background is in comics, graphic narratives, um, comic books. Um, it, it's just like full circle. Graphic narratives. I like that. That's a great. Yeah, way I'm calling it. it a graphic narrative because it's going to be the same book. It's just going to have illustrations. Mm-hmm. So I don't want people to. I don't want people to open the book and think it's a totally different book when it's when it is the fiction book. It just has illustrations. So yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> great, great discussion. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Excuse me. I get all choked up over this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing this to life, for bringing this to, to us at DASIS. Uh, where can people best connect with you if they want to, you know, get the book, they want to listen to it. By the way, listening is a great way to do it. Um, yeah. My daily walks were spent with uh, with Nina and Paige. So it was awesome. Yeah. 
I mean, awesome in the educational side. But anyway. Yes, yeah. It's always weird to say that about this subject. I know, but it's but, still a fiction book, and it still, you know, gives you a couple of hours to go into this other world and experience something that's not in your world. So yeah, yeah, very yeah. much so. So yeah, so where's the best place to connect with you, Sheena? Yeah, so please come connect and talk to me on Twitter. Twitter's my medium, Dr. Sheena Howard, but I also have a Facebook fan page, Dr. Sheena Howard. Um, and I'm also on Instagram, Dr. Sheena Howard. The doctor is always DR. Um, and my website is www.sheenachoward.com. And for your listeners, they don't want to buy the book, they can go to my website and they can get um, the first chapter for free and they can get um, a sample of the audio for free too. The book is available in ebook, paperback, and audiobook formats. Wonderful. And yeah, get, I mean, get their free chapter. Sure. But my goodness, get it by the book. If you can see yours, if you can see, use this to see yourself in a, in a particular situation, it's, it's world changing. And then for those people that are like me, not of that community at all in any aspect, my goodness, what an educational experience. So thank you. Uh, and again, I have saw, seen some Amazon reviews saying that, you know, everybody, everybody should be required to read this book. So that if, if it could be read in an educational um, environment and um, dissected and talked about, that would be awesome. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. Get out there and lecture on that one. That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, once oh, it all opens up. <laughs> that, that was the plan before COVID-19. So that will definitely yeah. be the plan um, when this is all over. Wonderful. Hopefully this little bit helps as well, our, our audience. And if we can ever be of assistance again, thank you so much for being a part of this, Sheena. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to I'm not in an abusive relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, D A S A S M I.org. That's Dasis M I.org or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. Now, if you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it. Social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers, and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET Radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.